0: This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood... Hey man! Welcome to episode 103 of the Keep It to Yourself Podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes, and the biggest wop on the block, WAP Woke Ass Podcast. I'm your humble host. My name is always, and above all else, I almost ended the show early. <laughs> what I was trying to say was, this is your humble host talking. And of course, my name always, is always Jason Bullitt. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, a beta, plus the imitator, a fascinator, baby. I demand the power, demand the power, too sweet to be sour. And I'm coming to you from outside my workplace in the immediate vicinity of Albany, New York, not in the rolling hills of Saratoga County. On this Thursday, the 13th of August, 2020. I'm going to tell you up front, we've got some rather heavy shit going on. There are some events that happened in the past, immediate past that is, that I forgot to tell you about in the last episode. And then we're going to have a look back at 2003, as it's episode 103 of the Kitty Pod. And then we're going to get into some real heavy stuff that happened. And it's actually part of what happened in the weeks that were. And then... To finish things off on a happy note, we're going to do the triumphant return of Jason Sports Corner. And all the usual BS, all that and more coming up. But first, let's get my plugs out of the way. You can follow me on Twitter, and by me I mean this podcast, and well, two of them really, at Kitty, K-I-T-Y underscore podcast on Twitter. New episodes of the Keep It To Yourself podcast and my true crime podcast, CR Crime are on the social media. There's also the "Keep It to Yourself" Facebook page. Well I haven't done a separate page for the True Crime podcast is beyond me. I should probably change the name of that if I'm a, if I'm able to do so. My civilian Instagram is Jason underscore five one eight three eight. So that's the social media plugs out the way. So, what's the world been like to J. Michael Bullet? You ask in these coronavirus-induced times. Well, I've had two social gatherings: one small, one slightly bigger, but less so, given the times in which we live nowadays. My friend Lindsay Stevens and I had two such meetings that I forgot to mention. One of which I forgot to mention in the last episode. Just before July 4th weekend, me and Lindsay met up at Congress Park. Had a little walk down there. Didn't really have much for dinner. She wound up getting it from this Chinese place. But we after we were walking to the park, said, you want to get frozen yogurt? I said, I'm up for it. I'll do it. And so I went to this place called called Plum Dandy. Stutter stuff there, never mind. And here's how different it is in COVID times. I'm glad these small businesses are open and hopefully they'll survive the pandemic even though a number of them may well close their doors for good. And here's hoping they don't, some of my favorites. Now in the olden times, you go to Plum Dandy, you, you just scoop out, or not scoop out, you put your Bowl into the soft serve machine. Things pull the handle down, get some, and then you walk over to where the toppings are. Back in the olden times, hold on one second. I should give me a microphone anyway. Back in the olden times, after you're done, you know, getting your yogurt in the thing there, you would go over to the toppings bar. and see all the handles out. Like, okay, this looks good. I'll put in some mochi mochi. I'll put in some caramel turtles. You know this, that, and the other. Hopefully, you don't pay too much because you're paying by the ounce. That's a whole other story. Nowadays, you got to hand your thing to the woman, to the person behind the counter, behind the plexiglass. You got to tell, okay, I want the, you know, I want mochi mochi. I want the caramel turtle thingies. You know, the Heath bars. You know, one thing or another like that. And then you're all done. said, so yeah, just give it back to me. I'll go pay for it and get on my merry way. And we did that. So a lot of changes there. Then the following month, which was about two weeks ago when you're hearing this, when this drops, I need up with Lindsay again. I took a little walk through Congress party, a little walk through downtown, a lot different nowadays. You know, usually there's the, the place is crowded. At least I've been able to find parking for once in downtown during the week, which has uh, been a weird little thing there. The parking garage is not as jammed as it usually is. Downtown is usually a madhouse during this time, especially when the track lets out. No fans of the track this year. It's a bit different, obviously. And I'll get back to horse racing when we do Jason Sports Corner. Had myself a winner in the Travers this past weekend, or the weekend before. I'm recording this early, as I've already told you. Anyway, back to the story at hand. I, After work, I drove up to Saratoga, parked at the Parking garage on Fowler Street. Oh, I said, Well, I want to see if Anne Marie Guglielmo's in. The owner of Buy the Bottle, this little wine and uh, liquor shop. No beer, though. And no Pink Whitney's either. Shout out to Spin Chicklets crew. So, had a nice little chat, socially distanced with Anne Marie. Asked her how she was doing. And you know, just that. Then, Went past you know, all the usual landmarks. Some of these businesses that they reopened have changed their hours. North Shore Bookstore, for example, used to be open for like 7, 8 o'clock. Now they're open till 6 o'clock. And I think they open at 10, 11 a.m. I think they open at 11 a.m. It's got all seven days a week. So I couldn't go browse in there. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll just walk back to Congress Park. I'll meet up with Lindsay. Then we decided, did you want to do takeout? Yeah. First place that came to my mind was Falafel Den. Had a delicious chicken shawarma. Lindsey had the beef gyro, did another walk around Congress Park, this time the two of us. We made it because we tried. Walked back to the car and that was about it really. Well that was a one-on-one gathering. Slightly larger gathering in a public sp- in a public space and a space. Hello. You, made me feel great, you know. That was a socially distanced Earl Clark in case you're wondering. I met up with a number of members from my autism support group. At this place called jumping jacks in scotia right across the mohawk river from schenectady and it was a goodly crowd there as pandemic times go there's like some kind of youth baseball thing going on at this park across the street so we met up socially distanced we took up two picnic tables under pavilions and it's one of these places jumping jacks you just like ain't Type of place, you know, serves food. You get fish fry, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, onion rings—all staples of such eating establishments, outdoors and otherwise. So I had a fish fry with cocktail sauce, and I had French fries on the side. And they gave me like more ketchup packets. That I know what to do with, literally and figuratively. I just took the rest home. Say, here you go, free ketchup. There you go, guys. There you go, Dad, Nancy. That's my dad's companion, by the way. And then I saw some people wanted. To go for the ice cream i said well i got enough money let's see if i do all right let's let's roll the dice on this one i got s'mores ice cream on a small cone oh it was good it looked like vanilla ice cream but they didn't overpower the flavor which is good soft serve ice cream quality in my opinion so there's that that was some good times right there also on the weather front I'd be remiss if I didn't make mention of Tropical Storm Isaias. Came up the east coast of the United States two weeks ago, as you're hearing this. Buffeted Florida. Did some damage to the outer banks of North Carolina, but the real damage came as it, came on the, as part of the eastern seaboard. Now, I'm talking to you from outside my workplace and I gotta get in, cause it's about five minutes before nine. And I'm gonna be quick about this as best I can. Long story short, We're working, we're plugging away, we're doing whatever it is we're doing. And then all of a sudden, our boss calls us all into the and gather socially distant and a part of the production floor. And I think he mentioned tornado warning because if he said we wouldn't have to leave and the option to leave, we'll have to take shelter, you know, right out the storm and hopefully our lights don't go out and everything. But there was rough weather, the storm was coming, so we had the option of either riding it out at work or going home and riding out the storm there. I was in the latter camp, so I told my boss as much, texted my dad and said, listen, I'm gonna be going home early because of the storm. And he said, all right, be safe out there. And I drove home, there was rain, there was wind. Oh man, it was quite the storm. This storm was heading north and so was I. And I thought, oh, I'll outrun it, man. Whew, that was good. Then I got home about three o'clock and I kept the garage door open because I was gonna get the mail. And all of a sudden, sure as you're born the storm came, it, the, the rain heavy rain came right at the bullet house and i looked out the bedroom window the rain or there's some big gusts of wind i didn't turn any lights on for fear they might go out and stay out but thankfully that was not the case there was some damage there was some flooding we did not lose electricity which is more than you can say for our brethren and sister in down new york city way you know, western massachusetts parts of new england they really got the brunt of it. Hopefully, everything's all cleaned up and your electricity is back. So, Jason won, Isaias nothing. And those were the weeks that were. And now we're going to go back into the distant past, or at least it seems that way nowadays, with a look back at the year 2003. We go back to Bullet House for this one and we'll play it into some appropriate music for the time. Weeks to play this song. This is "Clocks" by Coldplay. To me, this is great flashback music, and has been since the end of the last decade, or oh, the decade before, really, two thousand and nine. ESPN Sports Center did the best of the decade around the holidays, and I've used that as good flashback music. That's always the Wonder Dog. If you can hear him over the din of the music, I think it's faded out by now. As "Clocks" by Coldplay. In case you're wondering, what the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was of the week of. August sixteenth, two 2003, now that you care to know, it was Crazy in Love by Beyoncé and Jay-Z. For featuring Jay-Z. He played a partner. Annie it did not play that there. It was actually Chris Martin's finest. Remember blood, the rush of blood to the head? Hello. Made me feel great. Earl Clark, number two, from a safe distance. And Otis isn't helping either. Otis oh, the Wonder Dog, by the way. <laughs> Come on, Otis. Throwing my concentration off here. Anyway... A little look back at 2003. We're going to keep this brief given the main subject of this week's episode. In the news, the biggest story I remember, there are two of them really. The first one I remember, the Iraq police action. That started the day of the NCAA tournament. Or the night before really. ESPN wound up airing the first bit of games on CBS in the first round. There was a police action. It wasn't a war, it's a police action. We got out of there, thank goodness. We also captured Saddam Hussein too. That was two days before my 21st birthday. Couldn't exactly drink to the capture of such a despot. The biggest story for me though, outside of military conflicts, was the blackout we had here in the northeastern United States and parts of Canada. That's Otis, by the way, Otis the Wonder Dog. And I remember where I was when the shit went down. I was, was just after four o'clock in the afternoon. I was at my parents. It was summer vacation. I was getting ready to wrap it up. And go back to Castleton State College, now Castleton University, to kick off junior year. I just went out and shot hoops in the driveway in the front yard of my parents' house, and I'm just sitting on the bench, just winding away the time. Then all of a sudden, I didn't know what happened until my dad went looking for me, and he said, Hey, Jason, just so you know, the power's out. like, Oh no, what happened? I thought, well, something had happened, you know, car ran into a pole. There wasn't a thunderstorm. It was a, rather a nice day out from what I could recall. And then I had my little portable analog TV. This is how long ago this was, kids. I had this three-inch color television set that I got as a birthday present for my 19th birthday. And that was my only source of entertainment. Like, I didn't have the computer, the TV, nothing was working. Completely out. And it turns out we weren't the only ones suffering a blackout. New York City, Cleveland, Buffalo, Toronto, Canada, Philadelphia. This was a wide piece of real estate. Like the eastern, third, may as well have been the eastern third of the United States at that point. It all started in Ohio with a storm there. A tree got on some wires then all this stuff happened. One thing led to another. Next thing you know, millions and millions of people were without power, the Bullet family included. I don't think we got it back till about seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock at night from what I recall. Oh, so there you go. That's where it was when the lights went out, August 14, 2003. 17 years ago tomorrow as I record this, believe it or not. We had some bad news as well, too. It was the height of the SARS epidemic. We're at the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. SARS came to, well, it didn't come to the United States, thankfully. Well, I think it came to Canada, like Toronto. That's so long ago from what I remember watching the news. February 1st, uh, tragic story. The disaster involving the Columbia Space Shuttle. All seven astronauts aboard were killed, including the first Israeli astronaut, Elon Ramon. And later that month in February... Was the nightclub fire. The station nightclub in West Warwick, Rhode Island. Great white, the band was playing. Indoor power technics in a cramped space. Certainly not allowed these days with the pandemic and everything. Everybody tried rushing for the exits. And hundred people or so lost their lives, sadly. Don't remember much in the news of 2003. I guess selective memory. That's how it is. No debuts and debuts to list off. But we did have some passing away here and I'll talk about the big D in just a moment. No, not that. Way serious and more heavier stuff to come. But these are the people who left us in two thousand and three. And there were some biggies. In fact this was the year I became familiar with celebrities dying in triplicate in threes within any span of time. The first full week of September two thousand and three saw the deaths within a week of each other of Warren Zevon. A great songwriter and singer who gave us such hits as Werewolves of London. I play that every Halloween. Just rock that. It fucking slaps, dude. Johnny Cash. A great country musician. Legendary. What more can you say about him? And actor John Ritter, whom I remember from this long-forgotten series called Hooperman. And, of course, he made his name on Three's Company back in the 1970s. And at the time of his death, was starring in a sitcom called Eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. And what a sad loss that was. I first became aware that the rule of three celebrities dying, they always happen in threes. More often than not. There were some more obits. Bob Hope, this hit kind of close to home for my dad. My dad is a United States Navy veteran. At the time of the Vietnam War, he did not serve in Vietnam. He actually took a tour in the Mediterranean on this destroyer that has long since been to the great scrap heap in the sky. At the time, the ship he was serving on docked in Athens, Greece. And before my dad went home to spend Christmas with his family on leave, Bob Hope came to town bringing the USO show, and he entertained many of the sailors, one of whom was my dad. And he still recalls how many people participated, like Bob Hope. I mean, Bob Hope, of course, was the host. I think Jerry Colonna was on the tour, I'm not sure. At that point, uh, Johnny Bench of the Cincinnati Reds, Hall of Fame catcher. Uh, Miss World 1971. That's as, as much as he could recall at that point. Other Obits? Well, Johnny Cash passed away sometime after his wife, June Carter Cash. Catherine Hepburn, legend of the Hollywood screen. Right, darling. Althea Gibson, a pioneering track athlete, one of the first African Americans. To win gold medal in the Olympics. Fred Berry. Rerun from What's Happening. Charles Bronson. Another legend of the silver screen. Starred in action films. Who else? Buddy Epson. We got some Legends of Entertainment left us in 2003. Buddy Epson. Jed Clampin of the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm listening to a story about a man named Jed. I can't see in the rest. I don't have the copyrights. I just blanked on the lyrics too. So it's just as well. (laughs) Richard Crenna, legendary actor of the screen too. Jonathan Brandis, if you watch Stargate, you know that's about. that Stargate, Star Trek, I think. Should have written down their occupations in life when I did this. Ilya Kazan, this was a legendary and also controversial director. Ilya Kazan, I saw in this Intro to Film Studies class, senior year in college, his magnum opus, what many people consider to be his magnum opus, on the waterfront with Marlon Brando and Eva St. Marie. I could be a club and contender. A club is somebody. Eli Kazan, unfortunately, got well, he got outed in Hollywood for quote unquote naming names of those in Hollywood who were suspected of being members of the Communist Party. Robert Stack, another legendary actor. I got to know him for two roles, one on television and the other in movies. On television he was the host of this movie... this not movie. <laughs> it's late folks. Anyway. Robert Stack, I first got to know him as the host of this television program that aired on NBC called Unsolved Mysteries. And it's rather fortuitous I bring it up because there's the reboot on Netflix. I haven't watched a single episode of that. I'm going to be truthful with you. However, years later, I also got to know him and he was a serious actor, but he did have a comedic side... When he he was in this movie called Airplane. I've talked about it before. Just recently celebrated its 40th anniversary. That was about a month and a half ago. And he played the captain in the air traffic control tower. Trying to help Robert Hayes land the plane. a spoof of all these airplane disaster movies. Like the airport series, etc, etc. Gregory Peck, another legend of the silver screen. Had the great turn as Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Donald O'Connor, another legend of the screen. Who else are we looking at here? A legend of television, public television, that is. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, that is. You may recall, back in 2018, I remember we celebrated Mr. My, my friend Tony's birthday, and we celebrated the day of my birthday, and for presents, I got... Two things related to Mr. Rogers. First with this documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? It was all about the history of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on PBS. My sister hated Mr. Rogers. I didn't care particularly much for him either, but I enjoyed the documentary. And there's also a DVD of this PBS special called It's You I Like. I like the documentary way better, but that's just me. Another legend of television, Art Carney. Hey, Ruffy my! Ralph, not Ralph, Ed Norton. Not the actor Ed Norton, but Ralph Cramden's neighbor, Ed Norton, on The Honeymooners. Hey, Ralphie boy! Nell Carter, give me a break. We lost her in 2003. Larry Hovis, you may remember him from either Ronan Martin's Laughing or Hogan's Heroes. Strike out that which does not apply. Bobby Hatfield, The Righteous Brothers. I remember hearing that death. uh, uh, Fall of 2003, I interned at this radio station... In Rutland, Vermont. Made the drive from Castleton to Rutland. And I heard one of the songs on my way into the studio of the radio station. Little Eva, another great songstress. Singing the Locomotion. That was her big hit back in the day. Maurice Gibb of the Bee Gees. That was sad when we lost him. Johnny Paycheck. Take this job and shove it. He took that to the heavens with him in 2003. Nina Simone. Great songstress of way back when. Edwin Starr, another great musician. Who. Huh, yeah, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Michael Jeter, another great of acting on the silver screen. Buddy Hackett, a legend in comedy. None of this stuff would fly today, especially the, Oda to Nakasaki. none of that stuff. Buddy Hackett was an absolute legend in comedy and a legend in Las Vegas before he made it big. On the national mainstream. He and Shecky Green, this is a great book in front of me called The Comedians by Cliff Nesteroff. If you're a fan of comedy like I am, I highly recommend by any means necessary to get this book. You are going to enjoy it. Buddy Hackett was known for toting a gun. He was darn funny, but offstage he was tight with Shecky Green despite the fact that Shecky was known for tipping him back. And Buddy was known for packing heat wherever he went on the strip. According to Mr. Nesteroff, Hackett's gun-toting and greens-drinking coalesce one night in a violent desert struggle. I'm, clothing, I'm quoting and quoting Cliff Nesteroff. I'm quoting... Help! I am quoting Cliff Nesteroff. How now Brown Cow Russell Westbrook has a wide array of wrestling reels. Alright, back to the quote here. Hackett's gun-toting and greens-drinking coalesce one night in a violent desert struggle. Green says, Buddy found me in a bar and came in with a portfolio under his arm, a gun in the portfolio. I fired a guy that worked for him who was also my gardener. Buddy came in and said, That man needs new teeth. I said, Well, go buy him some new teeth. He said, No, you should buy him some new teeth because you fired him. We went across the street and started gambling and drinking. It was enough to help out the fire gardener. They went on to, according to Another guy named Pete Barbuti. They went to the casino. Started gambling. Buddy Hackett won himself $1,200. Playing craps. Nesterov goes on and says it was enough to help out the fire gardener. But by that point, both Green and Hackett were blotto. That means they were drunk to the gills. Green says, we made a lot of money. We're walking across the street. As I'm walking, Buddy stands in the middle of the street and says, You know something? You're a Waldo. I said, what? He's in the middle of the fucking street. I said, I'm a what? He said, not only that, you're a double Waldo. Nesterov says, Green says he had no idea what that was supposed to mean. But it's something you should never call me when I'm drinking. Oh, wait, that Green said that, not Hackett. Whoops, I must be drunk. Anyway, Green continues, so now I walk back. I said, I'm a fucking double Waldo? He's got the gun out. I punch him in the fucking stomach. As I'm walking away, he comes running and jumps on my back. I flip him over my back. I put my foot on his throat. I said, if you get up, buddy, I'm going to kill you. I reached down, took his gun and car keys, and threw them into the desert. I said, now don't get up. About three hours later, my phone rings. Hi, Shucky. It's Buddy. You know, if someone was with us this morning, they would think we didn't like each other. That's Buddy Hacker right there. He passed in 2003. Mark Vivian Fouet, to those in the sports world, he died during the Confederations Cup on the pitch. And what a shame that was. More sports in a moment, in case you're wondering. Larry Doby, the first African-American player in the American League, came up several years after Jackie Robinson. Earl Hinman, you may not know who Earl Hinman is, but he was the guy who played Wilson on Home Improvement back in the day. He was Tim Allen's neighbor. Lynn Thigpen, you may not know who she was, but as a kid, I was a religious viewer of this program called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? And Lid Thigpen played the person responsible for finding the agents of control or whatever this agency was to go get Carmen Sandiego or some of her uh, accomplices in robberies. They even mentioned Saratoga at one time. oh, I was very psyched. Dave Debesher, legendary player. of The New York Knicks passed in 2003. Gregory Hines actor and tap dancer Hume Cronin, he was also a great actor too. I think he dances well David Bloom journalist who died in Iraq We're just speeding along here if you're a wrestling fan you were in mourning for Miss Elizabeth who served as the outside the ring wife of and in the ring valet of the macho man Randy Savage and, of course, she was part of the storyline in 1989, WrestleMania five. The Mega Powers Explode. What a great storyline that was. Kiko the Whale. You may not know who this mammal was, but he was the whale in Free Willy, the 1993 film. Sheb Wooley. He was the guy who sang about the one-eyed, one horn, flying people leader. And finally, to wrap up this rollicking list of obituaries, Barry White, the great soul singer in the 1970s. He had the deep voice. Can't get enough of your love, baby. But what I remember of Barry White is a particular set of bloopers that he did doing commercials back in the day. Hi, this is Barry White. Please join me on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, May 8th, 9th, and 10th for the first, for the first fucking thing. I'm cutting a fucking spot, Tony. Jesus. Hi, this is Barry White, and Paul Quinn College cordially invites you to a weekend in Texas on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, May 8th, 9th, and 10th, as the SHIT! Hi, this is Barry White, and Paul Quinn College cordially invites you to a weekend in Texas on Friday, Saturday, one more time, Saturday and Sunday, SHIT! Moving on to pop culture as always to end this segment. We go to the sports world now, where the Miami Marlins in Major League Baseball won their second World Series in a decade by defeating my club, the New York Yankees, in six games. However, the Yankees' 2003 postseason was not without its highlights. Game 7 of that year's American League Championship Series, bottom of the 11th inning, saw the current Yankee skipper, Aaron Boone, face off against the Boston Red Sox. One pitch, one swing. Why should I spoil the ending? Let's hear it right now. Now side at 5 as we go to the bottom of the 11th. Here's Aaron Boone to lead off. His first at-bat of the game. There's a fly ball deep to left! It's on its way! There it goes! And the Yankees are going to the World Series! What a memorable call by John Sterling and former ESPN Sports Center anchor Charlie Steiner, who in 2005 or thereabouts later went on to become the play-by-play man for the Los Angeles Dodgers. In the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won their first and today only Super Bowl. Kind of an eh affair against the Oakland now Las Vegas Raiders. The San Antonio Spurs won their second ever NBA championship in 2003. The New Jersey Devils won their first third ever and to date last Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League Ohio State won their first ever NCAA football championship there ain't gonna be much of it this year in 2020 but in 2003 well 2002 season bowl games played 2003 you get it the Ohio State Buckeyes won their first NCAA championship since the days of Woody Hayes hey that rhymes while in basketball The Syracuse Orange won their first ever NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, defeating Kansas on a last-second block by Hakeem Warwick, and the celebration was on in Central New York. Good friend of the show and former guest Adam Parada was down in the celebration, as he was an SU student at the time. He was down there on Marshall Street. Just out of curiosity, I went on the webcam on Marshall Street. He was in that celebration. I couldn't pick him out, but there he was, by golly. Heinrich starts inside, goes outside, Heinrich gets it, Heinrich puts up the shot, it's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Both Hakeem Warwick and Kirk Heinrich conspired to cost me a good deal of money, as this was my first ever NCAA March Madness pool that I participated in. The day of the first games, I really had to fill this in and get on my horse with the predictions. My sister sent me... A bracket, a link we could fill out the bracket online. You had to do this program, couldn't go to this website. There's like this little program. You had to fill everything in. I was in the lead after the first round, after the second round, the Sweet Sixteen, the Elite Eight, including Syracuse's game against Oklahoma at what was then the Pepsi Arena in Albany. And I was in the lead going to the final four. I picked the final four correctly. Kansas, Syracuse, and the other two teams. Whose names escape me at the moment. Kirk Hyra had a air ball in the last second of the game, Syracuse wins eighty one to seventy-eight. I was in line to win roughly seven hundred and fifty dollars. Well, I think it was more than that. Probably a thousand. There was over a thousand dollars first prize, which for a college student like myself was a lot of money. But nope, I finished in third place and I won ten dollars. Oh for the love of money. Anyway Also in sports, there was the throwback craze. I really got in on all that. I have an old-school Montreal Expos hat, and now the Montreal Expos are history themselves. (laughs) I got that at Cooperstown when I visited on winter break that year. The NBA really got going on that whole deal. Mitchell and Ness had himself a banner year. Baseball was without its highlights. Well, it was not without its highlights, but they were not without its lowlights either. And the highlights, Roger Clemens, then of the New York Yankees, Scored his 300th win after three attempts. But there was also controversy, too, both on and off the field. On June 3rd, 2003, Sammy Sosa of the Chicago Cubs was at the play, hit the ball, and all of a sudden, the bat split in two. Well, common occurrence, no big thing, no great shakes. Then all of a sudden, it turned out that Sammy Sosa had a cork bat, But that was the least of his worries. Sosa got thrown out of the game, but that was the least of his troubles. Sosa, along with McGuire, who gave us such great memories in the late 90s with those home run pursuits, were among many other players who were implicated at the time of taking steroids. Not the first black mark the National Pastimes received, but it wasn't the last either, as this summer has proven. In the world of the motion pictures, the 2002 Oscar, the best picture that year, went to Chicago, the motion picture portrayal of that great Broadway classic, winning six Academy Awards out of 13 nominations. Also of note was the first Oscar ever for director Martin Scorsese. You look at all the great films he had, Goodfellas, Bronx Tale, Mean Streets, legendary film director, he had been shut out, the old Susan Lucci, well... He finally got an Oscar for Best Director for his film, Gangs of New York. And of course, they weren't all winners. Gili came out in 2003, and what a stink bomb that was. Top grossing film of the year, in case you're wondering, was Finding Nemo. Ellen DeGeneres, who's been in the news recently and not for good reasons. Well, she had planned to celebrate in 03. Finding Nemo was the highest grossing film in the U.S. box office, topping out at over $380 million. And the best in music, the best record, Nora Jones had herself in 2003. She scored both best record and best album. The album was called Come Away With Me, and the song Don't Know Why. Both had her take home top honors of that year's Grammys. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our over-the-shoulder look back at 2003. And it's rather timely. This dovetails into looking back and remembering, because I'm about to do that right now as I take it back to 2020. A crappier year as it is. This episode's topic is really one that I didn't want to talk about, but recent events have led me to do so. You may have heard in the last mini that I talked about the death of an old friend of mine named Ryan Taylor. His body was pulled out of the Hudson River in Warren County, New York, last week. Just yesterday as I record this, I was up in Saratoga Springs, my hometown to attend the wake of Ryan Taylor. And another of my old friends were there. And, you know, Bill Moan, who's been a past guest on the show, Brandon Polcare, ditto. Bill's brother Joe was there, and I mistook him for Brandon's brother, Brendan. And I know you're about as confused as I am, me saying that, but that's all by the by. Nate Dickerson was there the former Amy Haley, she goes under a different name now. Nate Griffin, Soul Brother number 1. Great to see him. If you great to see you if you're listening. Dan Phillips, none of these guys I hadn't seen since elementary school, or maybe since we graduated from high school together all those years ago. It was the first time seeing them, but it was not the happiest of circumstances. Not a bit. Richard Sutherland was there, Jordan Garofalo, and some guy by the name of Ty And We never interacted during our high school days. But he was there giving me the dap and say we're just talking about his passing, Ryan, that is pronouns, pal. Sorry for your loss, pal. Thanks, Vince. Appreciate it. And yeah, how is a tough loss? I mean, what else are you gonna say, man? You know, there's a man that casket who previous times was Roman God's green earth. So anyway, there was Ryan's body there in the casket off in the core of the fear home there was some social distancing going on as like everywhere else now with all sane people they had the chairs spread six feet apart from each other in that little area in the foyer the reception area and then you had the another room right off to the right side and there's the casket there's the members of the immediate family there's some other people there too that part of the that part of the funeral homes for the immediate family and some relatives. Everybody else just goes and reflects in this other side of the of the room. Like the, what you see when you walk straight into this funeral parlor. So I was there and Brandon Polcare was there. Bill Moen. Big shout to all of you guys if you're listening in. It was great seeing you even though I shouldn't really say great. This was a sad occasion. So I did my bit, the casket. There was Ryan all... You know, in the pose there, inside the casket, got the rosary beads draped around his arms, or draped around his hands, I should say. You know, said went up to the big man upstairs. I almost wanted to cry, but somehow, I didn't show my emotion. Like, I've been through this before. I didn't even show my emotions when I had Ryan Rossley. I was at his wake. Back uh, 10 years ago, when he got killed in Saratoga, I was celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And it was a tough loss for all of us, knowing how close we were to him. And, of course, another classmate of mine, a woman named Kim, Kim Hebert. She passed under mysterious circumstances almost a year later. Then there was another one I didn't even know about. I wasn't particularly close to this guy, a gentleman named Aaron Higgins. He got in a fight at the Paddock Lounge on Caroline Street several years ago, and it was an awful way for him to get sent up to the hereafter i'm 37 years old this is far from my first go-around with funerals be it with family and friends and whatnot i started this podcast as a reaction to a death i had in the family my mom lois bullock god rest her soul passed away almost three and a half years ago in boston And it was a tough occasion for everybody, as can be expected. She was at Brigham and Women's Hospital in the intensive care unit at that hospital in Boston. And me, my sister, we drove over. And we, you know, I told the story before. We met up with my uncle Al, my uncle Sid, and we met the outlets in Lee. We drove all the way to Boston. We met with my dad, and I saw my mom for the last time, just sitting in that bed. It really hit home. Like- this is a beloved member of the family. She's going to be gone. And then 24 hour plus hours later, I get the call from Dad. Saturday at 9 o'clock on the 30th of March, 2017. She's passed away. That's it. It's over. Thanos has snapped his fingers. See you in the hereafter and the sweet by and by. It was a tough loss for everybody. Biggest sell I've taken. And there's going to be plenty more. I just know it. I attended my first wake for a friend. I couldn't believe this was he was going to be the first to go. Well, I didn't know about this other person named Mike Robinson. He took his own life at such a very, very young age. And I didn't know about it until years after the fact. Like when I first joined Facebook. One of my friends posted a picture of his final resting place at the cemetery somewhere in Saratoga. So we've lost a total of five classmates and we don't even have our 20th anniversary reunion until next year. I had to jump ahead here, but there are some other details that I wanted to point in. I'll get to more reflections on death and dying and growing older, the aging process. Such a hard thing to go through, but go through it, we all must, because that's how it is, man. A little lighter note here. After I was done, you know, just reflecting and milling, you know, just like any gathering pre-pandemic, you know, everybody was wearing the mask. I doubt there's some social distancing going on, but people were wearing masks inside the funeral parlor when they went to pay respects and all that. You know, you know, said hello to the family and you know expressed my condolences in person. I'm sure Ryan would have loved that All this, all all of his friends or most of them anyway, had come out. I went for the evening session. That's when all this took place. There were some people that came earlier in the day. I just, out of curiosity, looked through the the book of condolences see who signed in who was, was there to pay their respects The number of people were there in the book but back to the lecture at hand here there was a little gathering and i say gathering in the loosest of all possible terms there was this gravel parking lot out back of the funeral home and way this is set up there's the funeral home and then way back of the funeral home in this parking lot there's the local elks lodge it was right behind us the whole time, but we're staying at the funeral home, and I got tipped off. I was getting ready to say goodbye to some people, because I was going to leave pretty soon, and just, you know, say, hey, man, tough loss, you know, stay strong, brother, all that. Hope you didn't hear that. was a little burp, raise attention. So, I go walking back, bust my LL beans trying to get to this thing, and there's the rest of the guys. Dan Phillips is there. Richard Sutherland's there. Jordan Garofalo. Nate Griffins made his way over there. And one of the guys who showed up to pay his respects to Ryan got this big old pickup truck. He got a little tailgate going. And there's this giant cooler. And I open up. Hey, man, you want a beer? I said, sure. All right. So I get handed a can of Miller Lite. And I suggested before I sip, hey, let's do a farewell toast to Ryan. So we did. Give a little farewell toast. I did a sip. And... I caused quite a reaction. It was some laughter. It was like I made some memories that day. I decided to do the Tupac Shakur gangster bit and pour one out for Ryan. Pour one out for the homie. And he said, Y'all man, and he was like, Hey man, that was a thirty rack of beer, you know how much money that cost? I said, Alright, I'll take a second. I didn't want to do Ryan wrong here, so like, okay, this one's for you, bud. And tip him back. He also brought water along too. I think that was very responsible. Of that man not just not just uh, stick the cooler with alcoholic libations so I drank part one can then poured most of it out got the little hamster in the first and then say alright I, I better do this right I'll do a second I didn't drink the whole first now nah, I would have been just absolutely no condition to drive I drove all the way from work to Saratoga yeah, so I created Mary that day. It was a bit of levity, in what was a very difficult day for everybody, me included. Well, more so than others. Those of us on the autism spectrum are not immune to having death as part of our lives, or being affected by it. I've already told you about my mom earlier. Just how my mind worked, a little stream of consciousness. But death is an essential part of life, but it also plays to a somewhat equal narrative. It's just a reminder of the impermanence of life. The old saying goes, here today, gone tomorrow. Don't I know it. I'm 37 years old. I've attended funerals for both my grandparents on the dad's side of the family, the lone grandparent I had on my mom's side of the family, and now my mom. And I've attended wakes for most, if not all, my friends' from high school, who are no longer with us among the living, but are with us in spirit, floating through the cosmos. And you see the impermanence of life, not only with the loss of human beings, since this pandemic began in the middle of March, about a good five months ago, everybody around the world, not just in the United States, not just in New York's capital region, not just Saratoga County, New York, the rolling hills thereof, have seen their lives change. You know, the results have been too numerous to mention of how this pandemic has affected people's lives. I mean, you know, people would go to, kids would just go to school in an actual building. Now they go online mostly. Schools are reopening up this month. They're going to reopen next month here in the Capital Region. There's going to be different districts, have different plans. Some are going to go online only. Some are going to go, you know, be back in... Actual building and classrooms and all that. My nephew's getting effect, infected. Uh, in fact, I hope he doesn't get infected with COVID-19. Well, keep wearing that mask, Hunter. I doubt you're listening. You're too young for this stuff. That's a little advice from your Uncle Jason. Anyway, you know schools are going to be reopening up again. I hate to go off on a tangent, but there you have it. You know, social distancing. Not everything is going to be as it was before. And there's a sneaking suspicion that the temporary is going to become permanent. Well, what if it's like this forever going forward? Even though you know in your heart of hearts, all oh, this is temporary. Who knows when, like, we'll get a vaccine. There's hope there. Hopefully it won't be Russia, because I know that crackpot Putin said, it hey, would we'll develop a vaccine if we don't recover COVID-19. It certainly help you attack against wampier. You know, I don't know. I give daughter it. She'll be able to fight wampirs and also bears. And who knows? Probably ride right bear chest on a horse just like daddy. All right, a little levity and a very heavy subject. I hate to go down that road, but there you go. I overheard in the funeral home that the older you get, Gatherings of this magnitude, pandemic or not, are usually the purview of weddings and funerals of your friends, and it's more the latter the later in life you get. It's a sad truth of life, but there you have it. You know, that's it. Yogi Berra, the great catcher of the New York Yankees, he said, attend your friends' funerals, otherwise they won't attend yours. Well, I'm going to end this subject on the note that I told Nate, I told Dan Phillips, I told Jordan Garofalo, even though I didn't mean before I left for home, I said, let me tell you this right now. If any of you guys are around, when it's my turn to head to the hereafter, this is how I want to go. This is how I want to be remembered. Well, not how I want to go, but this is how I want the gathering to be. At the back of the funeral parlor, somebody going to drive a pickup truck with a big old Coleman cooler full of whatever alcoholic libations you want. I don't care if it's a 30 rack of beer. I don't care if it's a 12 pack of craft beer or a twofer. I don't care if it's a bottle of wine, a magnum of vodka. I don't give a shit very much. Just drink a toast to yours truly, who's going off to see those who left them behind in the hereafter. That's how I want it done. As we near the end of the show, I just want to get some podcast shout outs and plugs in. Greetings from Allentown. Peter Winson plugged an episode of WWF Championship Wrestling, or he covered it rather, episode that aired August 14th, 1982, some four months before I was born. There's the Break It Down show. Pete A. Turner and John Leon Guerrero talked to Bjorn Lomborg, discussed what to do about climate change at this stage, and Ed Larson talked about how Ben Franklin and George Washington played a vital role as the founding fathers of this country, the United States of America. And, of course, Steve Bennett came back and a new episode of the Sportscasters. He talked to Aaron Schatz, we get ready for the NFL season, and Bobby Burrick as well. So check those podcasts out. There's also this episode of the Keep It to Yourself podcast and also my true crime podcast, CR Crime, where this past week we started the first of a three-part series On Gary Evans, who 22 years ago this week, I know I plugged this at the top, but we started a Gary Evans series. There was just so much information, like I can't confine this to one episode. So dense. So we're going to confine this to, well, I cannot confine it, we're going to spread it out to three episodes. Part two will be out the week this drops, and part three will be the end of August. So check all that stuff out. And also, as far as this podcast goes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or a podcast if you're choosing. If you have a podcatcher that allows reviews to be written and left, please do so. Give us a good rap and a five-star review when you get the chance. I thank you for it. Now there's a sound you haven't heard in a while, and this is a segment you haven't heard in a while. Jason Sports Corner is back, baby. Just when you thought it wasn't gonna come back due to the pandemic. Sports are back. Well, kinda. And I've been checking out sports so that's just my thing. We have the NBA and the NHL in respective bubbles. The NBA has sought out space at Walt Disney World. And that's where these playing games, these qualifiers, if you will, and now the NBA playoffs, which will start the week this episode drops, that where, that's where those are going to take place. going to determine an NBA champion. The NHL, I've really been enjoying the games too. They have two quote-unquote bubble cities up in Canada, Toronto and Edmonton. It's just been fast, fast-paced fast action and fast-expaction, maybe. <laughs> but it's been great action in both leagues in the bubbles. The games have been competitive. I didn't really expect much from the NBA, but we're going to watch because we're that desperate for something during these times. And the action has been other level. Whatever mark that was low that you set for yourself, it's well exceeded that, both on the ice and on the court. Major League Baseball came back. It's impossible to do such sports in a bubble, especially how sprout the teams are. Teams are like traveling to and fro like coronavirus? of this pandemic of which you speak? Yeah, the Houston Astro. They uh, they charged the dugout of the Oakland A's the other day. I put on the Instagram story. What's the over under that the MLB season gets canceled because of all this? I said three days. Well, some apparently still going out, So if you had the over, congratulations. Go and collect your winnings. The Yankees though, despite the fact that MLB is not in a bubble, Yankees swinging a hot bat, man. Aaron Judge. All right. However, he got himself injured. and... There's fear that he could be set back more than was previously expected. But still, the Yankees are rolling along here. Hopefully we'll get another World Series in before too long or the season gets shut down due to outbreaks of coronavirus. Except for the St. Louis Cardinals shutting things down because a bunch of people allegedly went to a casino, which is probably one of the least cleanest places on earth, let's be honest about this. And there's uncertainty whether the National Football League's going to have themselves a full season. I listened to the Steam Room, which is a podcast hosted by Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley, both of Inside the NBA on TNT. And Stephen A. Smith was a guest. He said, they'll get a season in unless health officials said, you know what, shut it all down, boys. And college football, there's been some big conferences that will not be playing games this year. The Big Ten, the Pac-12 won't be playing. Division 2, Division 3. My own minor castle will now have football for the first time since 2008, and that was before the program was even founded. They even came up with the idea of having football in the Green Mountains of Vermont. So interesting, sad, but also joyous times in the world of sports. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for episode 103 of the Keep It to Yourself podcast. I truly appreciate it now more than ever. Never take the audience for granted. Never have, never will check out this in my food crime podcast cr crime as i mentioned earlier three times now and i've already given the plugs so thanks as ever for listening i'll catch you on the next one whenever that may be and as always and above all else now more than ever keep smiling Wash your hands wear a mask social distancing and all that stay safe stay healthy i'll talk to you soon bye-bye Sit, Boo Boo. Sit. Good dog. <laughs> I don't fool with no horses, boy.